welcome to Moving Out of Trauma, a podcast made to support trauma survivors with actionable steps and resources so they can start moving out of trauma and into the life that they're craving. I'm the host, Candice Liedergerber, EMDR therapist, yoga teacher, first-time mom, and dog enthusiast. I am here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am so excited about today's episode. But before we dive into today's episode of Moving Out of Trauma, I want to give you a few reminders. The first is that if you want to start practicing more mindfulness and incorporate more grounding skills in your daily life, but you've had some trouble getting started because of past trauma, I want to offer you a free trauma-informed beginner's guide to mindfulness workbook. I created this workbook with trauma in mind. You can get this free workbook as well as monthly updates about new content by heading over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter there and you will get this free workbook directly to your inbox that you can download as many times as you like and get updates when I update it as well. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. And a second reminder I want to give is at the end of this recording and the end of every episode for that matter, we will be giving you two resources that we often use in EMDR therapy, which are the container exercise as well as the state change place. So these exercises are visualization exercises that can help you transition from maybe a state of thinking about past trauma, awareness, learning something new into a more calm, more centered way of being so you can go on throughout your day. I hope these resources help and I would love to know your thoughts. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This is a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant to educate and inspire and is not a replacement for therapy. It does not constitute therapy services, advice, or guidance in the form of therapy or medical help to treat any condition. So please consult a therapist, your physician, or use the resources we provide in the episodes to find a provider near you. episode of Moving Out of Trauma. Uh, The guest is going to be me. It's a solo episode. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of the hesitations, the fears, um, and really the hardest part about EMDR therapy um, and where those hesitations and fears I, I find come from many clients. And Full disclosure, (laughs) I uh, recorded this episode already once and somehow my technology wasn't working. And so um, if I get a little flustered or if, um, you know, whatever happens, uh, just know that it's, it's probably coming from that place that I, did I say that already? I, I probably did because I already recorded it once. So, um, just as a a quick caveat, (laughs) Um, so since today is a solo episode, I'll just briefly introduce myself. My name is Candice Liedergerber. My pronouns are she and her, and I am, I'm, 
I cannot speak. <laughs> I am an EMDR therapist as well as a registered yoga teacher. And um, while I don't actively teach yoga classes, I do use uh, the yoga training that I received in therapy oftentimes when clients would like to. So that way uh, we can work to help them find more grounding and more healing. So I'm going to do this episode uh, just like we've done it before of, you know, the different sections because I think that every day is a little different and um, every recording will probably be a little different. And uh, so I'm going to treat this as just another episode, even though some of these questions I've already answered for y'all before um, because I think they change based off the day. So the quote as it goes is knowing a person is like music. What attracts us to them is their melody. And as we get to know them, we learn their lyrics. And again, if you know who wrote this uh, quote or who said this quote, please message me with it. Let me know who did it, um, who said it, because I, I fell in love with this quote, quite honestly, because I feel like it really represents the just intricate in um, complexities, excuse me, of being a human and knowing who we are and getting to know other humans. And so with that are these questions. So why am I passionate about this work? I think truly this comes from oh, a place of being able to see people's aha moments. And I see that as like when when someone goes through trauma when someone goes through something dark or you know just awful over and over again um we develop a certain perspective in life which i'll talk more about in this episode in a few minutes um but there's just there's a lot of pain there and so these aha moments of when I get to sit with someone and they see for the first time in years, oh, hey, I don't have to put up with this. Or, oh, I can set this boundary and, you know, enforce it <laughs> and hold it. <laughs> I don't have to accept uh, what has been handed to me. I can ask for something different. Um, or I can, I can demand for something different, right? Um, these aha moments of, of healing where, and they're, they're so tiny along the way with every client that I, I think I've ever worked with, that it happens in these little inches or centimeters. And, you know, the client may not typically doesn't recognize um, those inches of healing and those, those moments of, of movement and those are the moments I really like to illuminate and to bring to the surface and talk about with clients because I think they're so freaking important. They are, you know, they are what adds up to healing, right? All the small moments come to equaling the journey. And so those small moments I like to talk about. And that's, you know, what creates a really a large fire for me about this work. How does my personality show up in the room with clients? So last time I talked about my sarcasm and my silliness showing up in, in sessions with clients. 
And um, today, I think I kind of want to shift gears a little and share um, just being really fully present with a client um, and just really sitting in the muck with them. Um, And I think my personality shows up in this because I'm kind of able to like dive all in, like throw myself in. If if we're having a moment where a client is really sharing something vulnerable or if we're, you know, diving into something where it's like we're in the freaking trenches, I'm my personality and who I am really shows up in that capacity because I am able to sit with it. I'm able to be with it and I'm able to be with that person, um, which I've always felt is a really huge honor because of the fact that, you know, A, not every person shares their trauma with everyone, right? And B, I get to sit with that person in this dark moment so they can come to a brighter moment so they can get out of the trenches so we can find the ladder so we can figure out how to get them out. So, um, what is the top thing I wish everyone knew about the world of EMDR therapy or trauma? And so again, last time I I shared this concept of EMDR therapy is not the right fit for every person. And that is a okay. Um, and really this show in part was born out of this place of there are so many paths to healing. And if I could help people or a person, just one person find the right path of healing for them right in that moment, um, then that's good enough for me, right? Whether it's EMDR or breath work or yoga or acupuncture or uh, pelvic floor therapy or whatever the case is that that person can find their next move, their next um, space, their next their next piece of their healing journey. Um, and so when it comes back to EMDR therapy or trauma, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, these fears and these misconceptions or just perspectives of coming into EMDR therapy and the hardest part about EMDR therapy, which I think everyone should know. Um, so in a lot of ways, this whole episode answers that question. Um, and I just think it's important to know that, you know, there's, there's a healing method out there for everyone. And if you don't find the first or you don't find the right one first, don't lose hope. Don't lose the capacity to, to keep going or to try something different. Because uh, eventually you're going to find the thing that is what you were meant to do and, and what you needed and what your soul needed. And, and you're going to be able to step out of the place that you're in and, that's so important to know. Okay, so let's dive into today's topic. So before I get into the hardest part about EMDR therapy, I want to give this supporting metaphor that I learned through my yoga training. And 
um, I want to recognize that um, I was able to take part in yoga teacher training here in the West, and uh, the roots of my training were in Hatha yoga. And I want to recognize that Hatha's or Hatha yoga's origins are traced back to Gorakhanath, uh, a Hindu yogi and a founder of Kanfada yogis and because my understanding of yoga comes from the Hatha yoga tradition that also has been westernized, I want to take a moment and recognize the colonial violence that has taken place as yoga has been westernized. Um, as a lot of the times it is primarily offered in areas of white privilege and the roots of yoga can often be removed in those places. Uh, and yoga kind of gets turned more into like an exercise class. And so I want to be really clear that my intention in becoming a yoga teacher and using yoga principles and techniques in sessions is to really just help the person in front of me to help them heal from trauma and find harmony for their minds and their bodies and their souls. And I try to take a really holistic approach from this understanding to help me gain a whole picture of that person and help them heal all corners of themselves. But I also think it's really important to recognize that violence and the roots that have been taken out in a lot of ways. So I just want to take a moment and recognize that. So I want to introduce two different concepts to go along with this metaphor. So in my yoga training, I learned about this term called the Purusha, which is this clean, clear, beautiful, pure inner light that is within every single one of us. It resides in everyone. And the way I often think about this is, um, you know, if you ever hold like a newborn baby, um, just the newness and the beauty and the, the pureness in that, in that little tiny thing, right? That is all within us. We all came from that place. That is within every single one of us, and it doesn't ever go away because it's a part of us. The second term I want to share is chitta, which is our heart, mind, our perception, the way we see the world, uh, and it can be impacted by trauma, but it can also be impacted by healing and by learning. So the metaphor is this, if we're driving along, looking through the windshield of our car, our windshield is the chitta. It's the perception, what we're seeing through, right? Now, if it's raining or if mud gets on the windshield, if it's a beautiful sunny day and our windshield is clean, <laughs> um, if there's a storm outside or you know, whatever the case is, all of those things that are happening, right, to our windshield <laughs> um, impact what we see or how we see what we see. Uh, but it doesn't change the truth of what's actually going on on the other side of the windshield, right? And we, the person that's driving, <laughs> still remain the same. We're still the same person 
but we also may not be able to tap into that beautiful, pure inner truth every moment, right? So sometimes more than others, it's really hard to tap into that truth. (laughs) Um, So if there's mud on the windshield and it's being smeared around by us trying to clean it off or, you know, whatever the case is, we can't see going 90 miles an hour, it probably creates some emotions for us in the driver's seat, right? We still exist as that beautiful inner light. And it's a little difficult to focus on that inner light when we're just trying to survive. And so that trauma is the mud on the windshield. And yet we are still at our core, the pure, beautiful light that's within each of us. So this all comes to this piece about the hardest part of EMDR therapy and and what I think kind of is the root oftentimes for clients' fears or anxieties, hesitations around EMDR therapy. So, so many of us spend our lives really in this kind of fight, flight, freeze, fawn, survive mode, right? Because we went through something traumatic, traumas, right, create this need to survive for our body, for our brain, for our everything. (laughs) And so even when we're not actively dealing with that trauma, those feelings, those emotions, that fight for survival, the feeling that we need to run away or freeze or please, it all comes from that event and it all plays out in our daily life, um, whether we want it to or not. <laughs> and it takes a lot. It takes a lot from our, our body, our mind, our soul. It takes a lot from us. And what I find is often this fear of like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the hardest thing ever is that when you go into EMDR therapy and when you're doing the processing that you are bringing up painful parts of the past. And just a heads up, I realized recording this the first time that I am going to share quite a few uh, metaphors in this episode. So the second metaphor I want to give here is um, cleaning the wound, right? So when we go bike riding as a kid or even as an adult, (laughs) um, but especially I think when you're a kid because you're you're learning, you're figuring things out, um, when you go bike riding, you might hit something or fall off or flip over your handlebars or whatever. And when that happens, we get hurt, right? Might have a skinned knee, um, might, you know, skinned elbow, whatever the case is, right? Hopefully not anything worse. Um, but when you experience that, you have to clean the wound, right? probably the worst part about being a 10 year old in my brain, um, was when I had to actually clean the wound after falling off of my bike or skateboard or whatever. So in that you have to 
you know, the wound is raw and you have to kind of take out the gravel and you have to use the disinfectant, maybe run cool water over it. Um, you know, whatever the case is. Now, EMDR therapy is a lot like that, where EMDR, and I'm particularly biased in this, but EMDR therapy or another kind of therapy or whatever the healing approach is, is oftentimes cleaning the wound. So EMDR therapy is the running water. It's picking out the tiny pieces of pebbles or dirt or whatever. It's putting the disinfectant on, bandaging it, allowing it to breathe, whatever the case is. The healing method sometimes hurts. (laughs) But after we're able to do that, after we're able to clean it, our bodies know what to do, right? Our bodies know how to heal from there. But if we don't do that, right, it typically gets infected. It gets to a place where we can't push it down anymore. We can't say, no, I'm going to ignore that. No, I don't want to do that, right? It gets to a place where our leg or elbow or whatever is screaming at us because we haven't dealt with it. So that I think is is the, the hardest part about EMDR therapy and what I find a lot of people have a lot of fear and reservations around is the actual processing, this fear around like, oh, holy shit, it's going to hurt, <laughs> right? It is going to feel awful to relive that thing that I've been trying so hard to push down and push away and not think about and not feel and not experience because I didn't want to experience it in the first place. And now I have to work on it. I have to process it. I have to try and heal from it. What? Right? And I want to honor that because healing from trauma is brave. And experiencing trauma, it's no joke. It's so hard. It's, it's such a hardship in, in a lot of ways. And so I want to honor the fact that it is difficult processing and, and healing from trauma. I want to honor that because there is difficulty in it, right? There is pain that comes up. There is realizations that come up that, you know, maybe 10 years from now, you are thankful for those realizations, but in the moment, it's hard. It's really freaking hard. And I want to honor that. And I also want to give a couple of, uh, hmm. how do I say it? not comforting factors. It's not, they're not comforts. They're, um, things we do to make it a little bit easier. So being that processing trauma and healing from trauma is so damn hard. I believe there should also be some factors, some support, some things that help us to make it a little less hard. 
to make it so that way it's not as scary, right? So I'm going to go through a couple of these that I find to be the most helpful for the clients that I've worked with. So the first is, this is why resourcing is so critical. Now, if you don't know what I mean by resourcing, uh, in EMDR therapy, we use this term, um, and basically it's kind of like developing coping skills. It's developing a toolkit that you can really tap into. So that way, when you have those triggers and you do, you know, become insanely irritable or, you know, you want to freak out, you have anxiety that's going through the roof, you feel like you can't speak up, you want to just stay silent and please someone, whatever the survival technique is, right? Um, that you can dial back for a second reground and use a resource or a tool that helps you to feel like you're on solid ground. So with clients to start out, I do a lot of resourcing. And um, this is because typically people that, um, you know, come to me within therapy uh, don't feel like they're on solid ground and feel like they are constantly battling anxiety. They feel like they're constantly trying to battle a trauma trigger. And so they need the things that will help them in daily life. So that way it doesn't feel so freaking overwhelming. And so we work to develop that first a, so they can use it in their daily life, but also B so we can use it when we are processing. So when we are doing a processing session and someone feels like, oh, okay, this is maybe a little too much. You know, I, I didn't sign up for this right now. I can't handle this. We use a resource. We come back to center. Um, and so I do want to share here a big part of that is clients. I encourage them always to communicate with me, but, um, you know, typically I can kind of guess too, um, when they're within their window of tolerance. And so, uh, this is a term we also use in EMDR. And basically if you think about your ability to cope with something as a window, right? When you can see through the window, um, like you're standing in front of it, you can see through it. Um, you're within your window of tolerance. You can tolerate it, right? It feels Maybe it's a little overwhelming. Maybe it's a little anxiety provoking. There's emotions there. Maybe it's not just like I'm walking down the beach on a sunny day, um, but I can manage it. It's not so overwhelming to where I'm panicking or I feel like I am just numbing myself out. Right? So if that window, if we were to open it and try and push it up way up, up into, you know, the, the ceiling, um, out of its mechanisms and essentially break the window, right? Um, if we're pushing it way up, up, um, we're going out of that window of tolerance where, you know, in that anxiety, in that panic, um, maybe the heart is racing or pounding out of your chest, um, you know, sweaty palms, just really not able to focus because there's just this extreme feeling of like, oh my gosh, things are not okay, right? 
And I will sidebar that and say that I have met some clients who can conceal it rather well. And sometimes I don't know that that's where their brain is at because their face is telling me otherwise. So always, always, always communicate that to your therapist because they are not mind readers. Um, And then the opposite of that is if we push the window down, try and close it, but we try and close it so much to where it's going through the floor, um, you know, again, breaking those mechanisms, we are, um, you know, maybe numbing out, maybe feeling depressed, maybe um, dissociating or just trying to tune everything out and really just aren't present, some kind of um, like zoning out, you know, that kind of thing, maybe feeling really tired. So all of those pieces, again, is out of the window of tolerance. So we want to stay within that window. And if in processing, my goal is always to stay within that window, but if in processing, someone starts to feel out of their window, we stop processing, we pause, right? And we can always go back when they want, but we pause so that way we can use a resource and they can come back to center. They can come back into that window of tolerance because that's where the good processing happens is when we feel safe, when we feel seen and heard and can you know, actually actively work on the past stuff. And if we feel too high or too low, the processing we do isn't gonna, isn't gonna probably really stick because we're, we're doing it out of a place of survival, which is what we want to get out of. Okay. So the next one that I feel like supports this hard piece, um, is that the client-therapist relationship needs to be really strong. It needs to be based in trust. And this is why I really, really 100% support everyone finding a therapist that really clicks with them. Um, Because if you're not seeing someone that you feel like you click with or feel like you um, can really open up to or trust for whatever reason, you know, that things need to shift. Because if you're going to do real work with that person like that, that needs to be there. Um, and I say that just as much as from the perspective of when I'm, you know, talking with a prospective client for the first time, like if you don't feel that click with me, I 5,000% do not take that as an insult or any kind of hurt feelings because I want you to get the best fit you need. And if I'm not that, I want to help you find it because it's the basis. It's the base of, of a good trusting relationship. So, um, that trust needs to be strong. And the reason that that is, is because if you are coming into EMDR to process some hard, scary stuff, you know, we need to be able to trust the person that's by our side. If you were going into a unfamiliar or, you know, uncomfortable territory, you would want a person that you trust beside you to catch you if you fall or to have your back or to whatever the the situation is. And I think therapy is no different. Um, we got to start with that, that base to be able to really heal. So the next piece is I really feel like So this comes back to another metaphor. Um, Told you there's going to be a lot of metaphors today. Um, 
And I share this one a lot in therapy, and it really is just this simple as that I am a GPS in therapy. The client is always the one in the driver's seat because the client, you know, knows what they need or knows how they feel and also needs to feel like they can voice those things and and really voice what they truly need, right? So as the GPS, I can make suggestions, I can make observations, I can make, you know, reroute um, suggestions, (laughs) but at the end of the day, they are the person that is driving and gets to decide, do I need to go 35 miles an hour instead of 70? Do I feel safer taking the, um, you know, street roads instead of the freeway? Do I need to just stop altogether today? Right. And I really find a sense of power in that for the client, because when obviously trauma, it takes away our choice. It takes away our ability to choose. And so when a client is really able to step into, no, this is what I need. And to say that, and to really feel heard and have that honored, um, I think it's really powerful. And in a lot of ways, again, those tiny moments, but I think those tiny moments help people reclaim their power. And I think that's so important. Okay. The last one is to not judge yourself for the survival instincts you had to use in order to survive. Because after all, you were busy trying to survive. And so I find a lot of the times clients sometimes have like this sense of judgment over themselves of like, God, I shouldn't be so irritable. I shouldn't be so snappy. Um, a lot of shoulds. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wish I could just claim my voice back or God, what is wrong with me that I, um, you know, can't speak up or I feel like I have to please that person over and over, even though they're the one that's wronged me. Right. So these are all methods that you developed as survival instincts to combat and deal with a hard situation. And now as you're healing and as you're working through the guck, right? Those things aren't necessarily serving you and still takes time to step out of them. So don't judge yourself for the use of those survival instincts or using them in the past because you did what you had to survive. And I think more than that, as you're ready and as you feel good about it, you also have the capacity to step out of survival mode and step into really finding the life that you are craving and to step into finding healing, whatever that looks like, whatever path that looks like, whether EMDR or anything else, that there is hope, that there is a way that, you know, maybe at some point you're not going to feel like this. It still happened. It still exists and doesn't have to be the thing that runs your life. All right. So with that being said, we are going to take a quick break so I can share a couple of resources with you. I wanted to take a quick pause to share with you a few resources. 
So if you are looking for ways to find more grounding and more mindfulness in your daily life and with real actionable steps, I've developed a workbook that will walk you through developing this skill. It comes from a trauma-informed lens. So if you've tried mindfulness before and you felt like it was more triggering than useful, you could have been actively dealing with a trauma response. So this workbook is designed for trauma survivors and more than that, it gives you actionable steps and it's packed with information. So whether your schedule looks like a stay-at-home caregiver, whether you're someone who works a nine to five or something else entirely, there's something in this workbook for you. So you can head over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can subscribe for our newsletter where you'll get reminders once a month about new content and an email with that free workbook. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast, and you can find that link in the show notes. If you are enjoying this episode, and I truly hope that you are, if you think that it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com, because that is the best way to get the word out about this podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to work with me and you live in either Arizona or Florida, I now have openings for EMDR intensive sessions. These are sessions that are longer than your standard 50 minute therapy session and can really help you reach a place of grounding and healing from past trauma quicker than the standard talk therapy session once per week. So if you'd like to find out more about this, I invite you to set up a free 15 minute consultation where we can chat about if this type of work is right for you. Uh, it is also a great accompaniment for if you are already working with a therapist and you're having a hard time breaking through some kind of block or trauma response or trauma trigger. You can go to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash contact, which will be in the show notes. All right, let's get back to today's episode. All right, so we are back with the last section of our show. Um, last couple of sections really, but so I want to, um, take a second and, um, you know, the providers aren't robots section, uh, kind of went a little bit early in the show of, you know, like I shared, I literally recorded, you know, the entire episode, um, and then realized that I had some tech issues. Um, and, and for some reason, nothing actually recorded, um, and I will share, I will say I was really annoyed at first with that um, because, you know, I, I just spent 45 minutes talking <laughs> um, and it didn't, nothing, nothing happened. So, um, but now I, I can find some laughter in it because it's going to happen. Um, technology has its hiccups. <laughs> it's definitely not perfect and neither am I. So that is, um, my providers aren't robots piece. Uh, and I guess I should have shared, I apologize in this section of the show. It's where we give an example of our humanness, uh, because oftentimes I find that people, um, maybe when they first come to see me, but they kind of think I live in this little perfect bubble because they're only seeing me, you know, through my virtual Zoom room or whatever, or um, in, you know, my office, like they're only seeing me in this one moment of life. And I'm typically seeing them in a pretty messy moment of life. And so um, a lot of the times there's this misconception that like I have it all together and I'm perfect. And that is 
far from the truth. So moving on to our trauma tip uh, of today's episode, I really have to say I think that it's one of the the more important things, I think. (laughs) Again, I'm biased, but in healing from trauma. And it's really just finding the small moments, the small wins, the instances where you set a boundary or the the tiny inches or tiny centimeters or tiny ways that you are moving forward. And if you can think about it in the capacity of, would I have been able to do this six months ago or a year ago or five years ago or whatever? M, because regardless, we are different people now than we were then. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? So honoring and recognizing the changes that you make for yourself because those came from somewhere. Those came from work. And a lot of the times I think we look at this, you know, healing journey as, you know, this perception of like, once I'm all healed and done, the world is going to be rainbows and butterflies. And of course we want to appreciate the beauty But a lot of the times we get so focused on this big picture, I find, of like, I want to stop experiencing anxiety, or I don't want to deal with trauma triggers anymore, or I want to have a better relationship and not have trauma impact me, right? Like these big things, these big, beautiful goals. And there's all of these tiny steps along the way that every person I find takes these tiny itty bitty steps, these movements where they're etching their way closer to that big goal. And often I find people frustrated of like, God, like I've been doing this for three months or six months or whatever, and I'm still not at that big goal. I still didn't achieve the thing, right? But really, if we take it a step back and realize okay, maybe I haven't ended my anxiety (laughs) that I've experienced for my entire life. Um, Recognizing that patterns are built over time, behaviors are built over time, right? So we, um, it's going to take time to undo them. It's going to take time to unlearn trauma responses and trauma patterns. And so giving ourselves credit for the fact of like, you know, yeah, six months ago, or I've been doing this work for six months, excuse me. But also six months ago, I wouldn't be able to do X, Y, Z, right? I wouldn't be able to tell that person, Hey, I need some space. I need to be able to be alone for a few minutes. And I don't want to talk about what's bothering me. Um, or, you know, on the flip side, Hey, I need to talk about this and I can't just stay silent. Right. Um, And those are just two examples, but there are so many ways that people are healing every single day. And sometimes we don't see them. We miss them because we're so busy looking at this big goal that we have in front of us and feeling like we're not there yet. So take time and recognize all the ways and all of the changes that you've made maybe even um, doing like a reverse bucket list of these are all of the changes, all of the things I've done in this last year. 
So if we can think of it as a year ago today, right? What have I learned since then? What have I I grown from? What changes have I made in my life that have allowed me to heal? Um, What boundaries have I set with someone that's been important for me? What ways have I moved forward with my life in a year, right? And really take a moment to revel in all of those changes and all of those little steps towards healing because you are a different person today than you were a year ago. And the next piece, the next trauma tip I want to give is to also find the small ways that you can take back that control, right? Because I I talked about how trauma, it strips us of our control, right? It takes the control away. Trauma is not a choice. And when we experience trauma, we also need to feel like we have a sense of control, right? Which is sometimes where the anxiety comes from more, you know, the anger or the different types of emotions, because that's something that we can at least sort of control. Um, And so with that, work on finding the things that you can control in a healthy pattern, right? So can you work on, if you're working on setting a boundary, um, maybe with a loved one and you're not ready to actually set that boundary, right? Maybe the thing that you can control is writing it down, saying, this is the boundary I want to set at the end of the day. And then maybe find a small way to set that boundary. So if it's, you know, maybe not wanting that loved one to speak negatively to you or speak critically, right? Um, And the boundary at the end of the day is, you know, hey, so-and-so, I know you love me. I know you're trying to, in your way, show that you love me. And, you know, I need you to use different language, perhaps, because when you say X, Y, Z, Uh, It's very hurtful and I feel very hurt by it. So if that's the big boundary that you're trying to set, um, when they say something critical, maybe you can say, hey, I don't really appreciate you talking to me that way. That's a tiny boundary. That's a tiny way of enforcing that boundary. So finding the small ways that we can take back that control, um, I think is really important and noticing that you are in the driver's seat of your life. You are the one that's in control. Um, so those are the, the trauma tips I have for today. So the final fast and sometimes funny questions to hone in on our humanness once again, and a fun way to wrap up the show. So again, I said, I was going to answer these questions through the show, even though you've heard me answer them once before. So some of them won't change, but some of them will. Um, the first one is where would I go if I could visit any place on earth? And let's see today, where would I visit? You know, I would love to like go to the Bahamas or just some, some beautiful beach with like crystal blue water, like really, pure white sand, you know, have a little, uh, where like not the beach chairs, but the like reclining chairs, (laughs) um, little umbrella. That sounds nice. Um, that's where I would go right now. If I could visit any place on earth, uh, should pineapple be on pizza? Absolutely. I love pineapple on pizza. And 
I don't know, this is probably a weird thing. I don't know if I said this in another episode, but um, I actually really love when the pineapple is cold, but the rest of the pizza is hot. I don't know what that's about, but I think it's delicious. (laughs) What makes me feel inspired or motivated to do this work that I love? And I think I shared this a little bit earlier, but those aha moments, those moments where I'm able to point out like, hey, you know, six months ago, you were not able to do this or you couldn't do this or you didn't do this, whatever it looks like. Um, And look at this growth that you've had Um, or these just these moments where they feel like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I could do that. And, you know, they surprise themselves in this this healing journey. Um, And honestly, I know I shared this earlier, too. Or maybe I shared this in the last episode or the last uh, recording I did Um, accidentally that didn't happen, Um, didn't record. But I being in the trenches with someone is such an honor. And I think being present in the trenches and being able to be there with them as we figure out where's the ladder, um, how can I get out of this? really inspires me to continue doing this work because I, I find it so honoring. And I think that, um, the people that I'm able to work with are just such warriors and, and it's truly honoring to work with them. What is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? So this one's a little new. Um, I have, I'm not actually on a team. I'm on like the beginner track, but I have uh, started being in a roller derby um, section, I guess is what it's called. Um, And I will probably not be in a game for a very long time um, because I am a very, I'm a, I'm a very beginner person right now, which is a-okay, but um, I'm in the beginning section of that journey and and it's super fun. It's a, a fun group of people that I get to hang out with once a week and um, it's good exercise and I get some laughs and it's, um, it's really cool. So that's one new thing. I don't know if people would be generally surprised to find that out, but, um, that's something. <laughs> and what does a single moment of pure joy look like for you? So this may be the same thing that I shared last time, but I honestly, it's those moments. So I have a, a 16 month old. And it's those moments where he's giggling like, Oh gosh, last night he, (laughs) he was very sleepy. We were, we're going down to one nap right now. So he was a little slap happy by the time bedtime was approaching. And, um, I sneezed and he just thought it was the funniest freaking thing on the planet. Like, I mean, that belly laugh, laughing so hard to where your cheeks hurt. Like that's what he was doing. And so of course I kept fake sneezing (laughs) because he thought it was so funny. But I think any moment where he is laughing or, you know, happy and, um, and when my partner is, is happy and laughing, you know, any moment where the people I love are, are experiencing that joy and I get to like witness it, it's just, it's the best. So, all right. So that concludes our episode today of moving out of trauma. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me today on moving out of trauma. 
If you like today's episode and you think it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And if you have any questions at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can find me over on Instagram at soulmission underscore EMDR therapy or on Facebook at soulmission EMDR therapy. If you'd like, please stay tuned for the visualization exercises coming up next to transition to the next part of your day. And remember, you did not choose trauma and you can choose your path towards healing. This is moving out of trauma. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position and to make sure that you're doing this exercise somewhere uh, safe, somewhere where you feel um, that you can take a few moments for yourself um, and definitely not while you're driving. So we're going to start with the container activity and then move into the calm seat place. So it's good to have a secure place where you can store memories and issues and and things that may need still some work. but also maybe you don't need to focus on them right at this point. So if you think about it almost like cleaning up the files on your desktop computer, so you can just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and focus a little bit more efficiently. The files are in a safe place. You can access them the next time that you need to. So to start creating this container, I'd like you to imagine some kind of container or storage system that can securely hold as much as you need it to for as long as you need it to until you're ready to work on it again. So this container can be something you imagine. It could be something that's real. We just wanna make sure that this container has a lid or some type of secure closure. So that way there's a way to take things out only when you want to. Now it's important to note, we don't wanna put people in containers, but we can put memories and feelings and any kind of situations. So take a moment and really think about what that container might look like. Notice how the container feels. Notice how it feels that it's there for you, should you choose to use it or when you choose to use it. And now, if you need to use that container, I want you to picture allowing whatever needs to go in there to take its place in there. This can happen slowly. This can happen quickly. However it needs to happen, it's okay. Just allow the pieces, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the situation, whatever it is, to just slowly take its place into that container. Now, once you feel like the things that need to be in the container are in there, I want you to close that container Some people like to imagine that there's a lock there or some kind of secured closure beyond just a a lid. So if you like, you can go ahead and lock that. And then just imagine it kind of taking its place back into wherever it needs to be. So this could be a place that you think of in your home. The 
This could be an imaginary place, wherever it is. Just some place that we know that it's there when we need it. And now we're going to transition to that calm state change place. So this is a really good activity to develop a couple of ways to feel more calm and secure without really needing to rely on something or someone external than us. So one way we can do this to create this type of place that you can visit internally whenever you want, kind of like having an instant mini vacation on demand. So see if you can think of a place where you might feel a sense of calm or a sense of well-being. You can imagine a place that's similar to one that you've experienced or heard about or read about. It's best not to use a specific memory with people, though, from your own history. So some people like to think of the beach or the woods mountains, maybe someplace they feel cozy. So just notice this place. Notice what you hear. Notice what you smell. Look around. What do you see? What do you feel? Maybe either the temperature, the time of day, even down to how you feel in your body as you imagine yourself in this place. Really just allowing yourself to soak up every single positive part of this place. The way it looks, the things that you hear, the things that you smell, the things that you might be able to touch, any textures or temperatures, and really encapsulating what you feel in your body as you're in this place, as long as it feels good and calm and a place of centeredness. Now, knowing that this place is always available to you because it is within you. It's a place of your very own making. A place that you can return anytime you need. Whether it's for the quick deep breaths, returning the center, or maybe even winding down for the evening. This place is always here for you. this recording is going to finish but if you'd like to stay in this place a while longer you're certainly more than welcome to do so and I hope that you'll join me next time on moving out of trauma